Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and I have another special guest with me today. She is the CEO of Mott & Sons Bootlegging here in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And today I'm with Miss Eugenia Mott. How are you? I'm Thank you for uh, having us here. Um, this is a different interview because I've never had one of uh, this kind of business. So, so for the people who don't know, what, what actually made you want to start this company? Um, well, okay, so I have four sons. And I just wanted to go back to work. And so my husband said, well, let's start a business. I said, well, I want to start a business if it's something that the boys would be interested later. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they actually came up with this. And so that's how we, we got, you know, into looking into it and saying, wow, it's legal here. So we started it. Oh, okay. And how long have you actually been in business? Would you uh, say? Almost four and a half years. Four and a half years. And what can you talk about how? The actual process was like because I know I, I read that you guys had to you entered a, a competition. We so did. Can, you, can you talk about a little bit about that process? Yeah. So we were driving around just looking at vacant um, spaces, and then we started noticing all these um, signs in the windows said Main Street Challenge. So my husband said, "Well, what, I wonder what that's all about." So we googled it, of course, and it's, it was the city's way of promoting mm. new businesses. And so that was actually a nice incentive for us to, you know, to even continue to search to um, start the business. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome, welcome back to the podcast. And as we were saying, what of all the companies that you could have started, what made you want to start this actual like liquor store? Okay, so we're a distillery. Distillery. Sorry about yeah, distillery. So no, you're good. So whatever um, spirits we sell, um, we make. We can't sell anyone else's products. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so my sons, they, you know, were kind of like kidding, but let's, they said, well, let's make moonshine. And mm. and so we were like, well, let's see. So we started looking into it, found out it was legal in the state, and then started really looking into it. And, and then at the time, there was only, um, I think we were, when we applied for our license, we were the only the fourth distiller. We just applied for it for this state. By the time we opened, I think we were the... Um, 16th or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, it's wasn't you know popular here yet. Well, like it had been popular in other states. So we thought, well, it's a good time to get into it. Right. And so. So we, so yeah. so would you say that's the biggest difference between the distillery and like a, a ABC liquor store? Like you just you you make your own. Is that the biggest yeah, difference? So we have we have similar laws. Like we um, still can't be open after 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. But like a liquor store can sell whatever they want to sell as far as spirits go. Um, we can have gift items as well as like a gift store as, as along also with our alcohol. Mm-hmm. And we it does limit to us what we can sell as mm-hmm. far as spirits go. But it's ours and it's unique right. and it's fun. What were some of the issues, the hurdles that you had to overcome when you started first started your business? Oh, it's all the licensing. It takes about a year before you get all the licensing accomplished. Mm-hmm. First, you have to file for all the federal. Um, you have to have the deed to the building. You have to, um, or or the, um, you know, signed lease. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have the serial numbers to your stills, and the layout, everything before you can even start applying for your license and you don't even know if you're, you're going to get it yet. Right. And, um, and all of that paperwork 
takes about a year before you actually finally get to open. Mm-hmm. I know, um, you, of course, you have to be 21 before you can buy alcohol. And mm-hmm. and once you sell it to them, it's really out of your control who they give it to. But is there any kind of like way that you can protect yourself from like a lawsuit or anything? Or is it? Well, we have our, our insurance and then we're always, you know, careful who we do sell it to. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we are not like a, this is one part where we're not like a general ABC store. We don't have kids that come in here. We have, you know, adults that want quality and something special and something unique. Um, and so that those are our, our customers. You know, they, 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 they know what they like, but they, right. you know, they're not kids coming in, you know, Absolutely. For the, the least expensive thing they can find. Yeah, exactly. I, I know I experience of college, you know, mm-hmm. that's from my experience. But I, I, that's also one of my questions. Um, did you see, do you see any kind of spike in business when, you know, when college comes in? And sometimes, of course, it may be some kid, college kids, students that may come in as 21 years of age. Does that help business? We, we really don't get that crowd. Okay. All. Um, when like when school is the beginning of the school year, it's actually um, it's a more quiet period because mm-hmm. everybody's getting back into the to the you know spirit of school and all of that, mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit slower for us. Mm-hmm. And then then you know then the season starts, and that usually starts already um, September October. Mm-hmm. Would it does that make you kind of hesitant though at times because of course like you say you have children that children that went went to college and that are of that age and does that kind of make you hesitant when you have maybe a few college students that come in that are of age and they want to buy alcohol are you like man this is kind of like me selling it to my children or do you ever have think of that sometimes or um yeah of course always but like i said i'm really fortunate that we don't have that age group but we do get occasional mm-hmm. we do get parents that come in and say hey this is my child's their 21st birthday so we're we're giving them the mod experience right. you know? <laughs> and um you know it's so it's it's very controlled it's very mild and you know if i do have kids that come in and they want a tasting and i know they're really young i say okay who's the designated driver and i don't serve them right i really i m- mom force kicks in <laughs> yeah i understand that um, one of the things in the Herald Journal said that you guys sold your home in California to buy this building. It was debt free. Do you think you would have jumped into this business had, if you had to incur some debt? Um, oh, I think we, we would have still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we were just fortunate enough that we had that to be able to roll over into this. Mm-hmm. And because we do own the building, I mean, even if we tomorrow said, Hey, um, you know, we're going to sell the business. I would, I wouldn't sell the building. I could still lease out the building. It's a great building. Mm-hmm. Did you, does it, it's a good investment. would you, would you tell people, um, about us? It's fine. Uh, safe, safety net wise. Did you, did you have a, did you come into it with the safety net? Like, okay, if this doesn't work, then I have another plan B. Did you have that mindset or were you just all in on, this business. We we're pretty much all in. All in. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah. There's no backup plan. I guess the backup plan is is we have a great building. Mm-hmm. So and that's an asset. So. Would you? Is this a company that 
your kids, like you say, they were involved in the beginning, but is this the, is this like the first store that you guys have actually had? And also, do you look to pass this down through generations? Um, so we've owned, uh, we own other commercial buildings, but this is the only one that we own that we actually occupy as our own business. And um, the, the, the main reason why I chose this business is because, yeah, so that the boys could, you know, I could just let it go to them eventually. Mm-hmm. Get it humming and and then just make sure that they stay on top of it. <laughs> right. So so here you guys you actually make your own mm-hmm. alcohol. Yeah. So we sent we went to lots of classes all over the place to learn how to do this. We went to like the state of Washington, um, Kentucky, um, Chicago, California. We've been on many many different classes all over, and just you know learn how it's done and you know even to this day if we have questions uh, you know or issues you know we can call other distilleries we can call um you know companies that you know are our suppliers for product and um it's a really easy company to talk to other people and um you know we're all very supportive of each other i mean there's there's other distilleries that are here locally and, and you know they they'll call me or i'll call them and it's, you know, it's a great relationship. So so those classes, they help you pre- uh, prep and let you know what you can mix together and what not to mix it. Because I know from, like, we and our friends, I'm not going to throw anybody on the bus, but we're just doing foolish things when you're young. you just just trying stuff. So you just yeah. mix different alcohols together and just trying something. So do they teach you what to mix together and what you cannot put together? Okay, so, yeah, they do. So, I mean, every product, you know, the outcome is what spirit are you going to make? So mm-hmm. the recipe is like, you know, for rum, for instance, you know, that's um, um, pure cane sugar and molasses for the aged rum and the other one's just sugar cane. And, you know, you learn what mm-hmm. makes the product, but then you tweak it to make it your own. Mm-hmm. So. What is um for people that are look, watching this interview? Um, I, always, I love to ask them, what would you say is like your blueprint? for a business if you had to lay it out your own way everybody has a different way of doing things but if you had to lay out your own plan for it what would you say is the blueprint for it starting your business um yeah that's so individual (laughs) (laughs) that's very uh, that's a great question but it's very individual to each um, business that you do um the blueprint originally was just for us, I think, was just really concentrate on, on the spirits, you know. Mm-hmm. But once people are in the door, if you have more other things to sell, um, you know, then, oh, well, here, let me buy jar pickles or, you know, right. buy some of this. And, and the more you have, you know, there's more reasons for them to come here. You don't have to come here just for um, alcohol. You can come here for gift items as well for any age group mm. whatsoever. And I think that really helps mm. in, the, in the long run. Do you, do you preach, um, as, you know, your kids start work here and, and everything. And Do you preach entrepreneurship to your kids because they see how you have your business and how successful it is? Mm-hmm. Is that something you preach to them? Is uh, 
start your own business or what what do you tell them? Oh no, absolutely. But I first and foremost I want them all to have a college education first. Mm-hmm. So that they have the the know how to sustain it, to keep it going. They mm-hmm. can learn some, you know, more steps. Um and also if one day they say I'm tired of this they, they have a degree. They can go out there and they can do something else versus mm-hmm. this is the only thing I know. And, and I love when we get on the subject of education because it's something I talk about with my friends all the time is how I'm, and, I, and I struggle with it because I just want to know how important really is it, is it to get an education? I think it's a great thing, but it's like you have to incur so much debt. Is it really worth Going into debt, or how important do you think it is? Um, I think it's extremely important to have your education because no one can ever take that away from you. Mm-hmm. I think if you can just, you know, not everybody gets a job in that degree. Mm-hmm. I said sometimes life chooses you. You don't get to choose it. But at least you have it. So you have that extra security in your, in your mind and everywhere else that you, you makes you just – a step above everybody else. Right. And even if you don't use it in the field you have your degree in, um, you're going to get a job before someone else most of the time because you do have that degree, especially if they're looking for a degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, even um, people that have jobs forever at the same company, they're never going to get up to the next level because they don't have a degree. Right. And a lot of companies say, hey, you know, you have to have a degree in order to be, you know, upper management. Right. And I and I, I, I ask that because sometimes I feel like, you know, who you know may be more important than what, what you actually know because sometimes there's you know. There's always that factor. Right. There's always mm-hmm. that factor, but that might not be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's it true. might change. But it's just like, and I, and I struggle, I say sometimes, you know, if they say, hey, you can re- return your degree tomorrow and we'll just wipe your debt just free, your debt free. Sometimes like, you know what, let me see if I would turn, give my degree back just so I can start debt free because now it's just like, it just put, it just put me so much in a hole and I struggle with it. But, and I know I like, sometimes I'm like, you know what, it's going to pay off in the long run. But right now it's just like, you're young and you're feeling the pressure. I right. Get it, I get it. But you know, because you're young, you can work hard and you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. But it'll be it'll be there. Just just give it time. Right. Just pay it off and keep going. Yeah, so and I think it's just part of just you know being patient. And sometimes we just like we we like results right away. And you know I didn't get a chance once I got out of school for what uh, broadcast. I didn't get a job right away. So of course now I'm doing this, but. As that was just like my ultimate plan. Do you feel like entrepreneurs should go into it with a, a idea like of if this doesn't work, you need to have a, a backup plan? Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say don't go into it being negative, thinking it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. But you have your education to to help you get to that next level. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, you might, you know, struggle harder and longer. Right. What would you say is the the hardest part of running this actual business? I know you were talking about the laws earlier, but what is something else would you say was the hardest part of running? Um, I think it's employees. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to have the same enthusiastic as, as you do as an owner. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, and, and, and keeping that enthusiasm, you know, enthusiasm as you go. Mm. Um, it's, there's always, you know, a, a new challenge here and there, but mm. you just overcome them. And what would you say is like the biggest lesson that you learned so far in this industry? I, I don't know. I think I've, I've always been a daughter of someone that's owned their own business. And mm-hmm. so I think I've come already onto the table knowing this. It's just being your absolute best every day when you come to work. Don't bring your negative whatever happened there and there. Just, just be happy and come to work and just enjoy it. Just a few more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Um, if you could look back, is there anything that you felt like you would have done differently along your journey? I'm really happy with what we've done and how it's going. Also, uh, for people who who don't know this business, uh, I haven't heard of them, and they want and they come in and they want to drink. You know, for me, I say all the time, I I have professional. I like to tell people I have professional drinkers in my family. What what would you say is a drink for them? Like, just want if they want a nice, have a nice time and and get tipsy, or or they they just drink today. Yeah. First, you start them off with what what is your go-to drink? What do you typically enjoy drinking? Mm-hmm. And then we go from there. And it's, if it's like, you know, whiskey, so then do you like it on the rocks or do you like old fashions or, you know, what, you know, and then we come up with a cocktail that makes them happy. All right. Uh, I, I meant to ask you this earlier as well. Uh, for business advice, who, who do you go to actually for business advice? Because this is, this is not like, the average person doesn't have run this liquor uh, 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 dispensary. Mm-hmm. So, what? Who do you go to for advice, like mentorship, and and to teach you things? Um, that's why a lot of times we um, belong to this group. It's called ADI, American Distilling Institute. Mm-hmm. And the president of that, I can call him at any point in time and say, "Hey, I'm having an issue with this, this or that, or can you help me?" you know, get me to this next level. And they know so many people and they're so well connected that they can, you know, they'll have me talk to so-and-so and, and, you know, and it's just always being willing to pick up that phone and call someone. And, and like I said, the, the local distilleries here, we have a good relationship. We can call each other at any point in time and, you know, pick brains and, and we do. And it's great. If you could start any other business other than this, what would you say it would be? Any other option, like a dream job or anything? Um, yeah, probably uh, flipping houses. Flipping houses, <laughs> real estate. Yeah. I like I like doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I like to just yeah. Real estate. Take something gross and make mm-hmm. it pretty. <laughs> and also, do you do you look to expand this and and branch out, or do you just want to keep this one company? Um, we talk about that too. In this state, you can only have up to you can only own one distillery, mm. and you can only have um, up to three storefronts. So this being one, so we can actually have two other storefronts. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that, you know, once in a while. But to me, the goal is now is to get the spirits into more bars and restaurants, and not worry so much about the storefronts. Mm-hmm. Does, does that does that hurt a little bit when, like you said, trying to get it in other businesses, but like a, a liquor stores up the road and and a 
and people can go to like, they can say, okay, well, I'll go to Wild Wings and I can eat and I can drink at the same time. Does that kind of hurt you guys? Or is it, um, is no, it good to be all. in this location? It's good to be here. Um, I, I, you know, being on Main Street would have been great, but because we do have our own parking lot, we get a, a lot of people that just come running, grab something and go. And I think if we were right on Main Street, it would be harder for them to, you know, sometimes you, you want to go eat at Wild Wings, let's say, and then you can't find parking. So right. you kind of go, well, where else can we go? Right. <laughs> but, but for us, the goal is that our spirits are sold at Wild Wings so that when you go there, you can ask for Martin Sons. Oh, okay. Um, so they, so they, are, you are able to give. Right. So how our state is a three-tier system, which is not very easy for us, being a micro distillery. So, which means we have to sell our product to um, the distributor. The distributor sells it to the liquor stores, and then the liquor stores have to sell it to the bars and restaurants. Okay. And so it's to get it into some place isn't just knocking on the door and saying, hey, do you want to start carrying our product? You know, you have to go through these levels. And that's mm-hmm. it, that's almost like a full-time person to, to do that kind of thing. And being small, that's an extra expense that, you know, I don't have. So it's, it's, that's a mm-hmm. challenge. Well, we're talking about expenses. Uh, one of the things I, I, I wanted to I try, I meant to ask a few other entrepreneurs is, when, you, when you're making your profit and and everything, how do you know what's actually yours to take home? And then, of course, like what do you leave for business? Like, how, how do you differentiate that? Well, that comes to my husband because he is a CFO. I am his education. He's a CEO now, but um, so he does the books. He does, you know. I mean, I write the checks, of course, but he he's the one who tells me where I'm at, what's going on, and, oh, okay. and all that good stuff. But I don't take a salary. I don't take one penny. Everything goes right back into right the back business. Right back into the business. Okay. My last, my final question is, what would you say is your ultimate goal? Oh, um, the ultimate goal is that it's self-sustaining. So that, hmm. you know, that, you know, last year, I think I only had to take two draws from my husband, you know, where we ran short. So, mm-hmm. You know, to say that I actually have a bank account and where I can actually go, we're good today. All right. right. Everything's great. All right. Well, thank you, Miss Virginia. I thank you for having us here and thank you for the opportunity to sit down and learn about your business. Before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to any do you have any advice you want to give anybody or tell them how to find you? Um, Well, advice. No, just come and try us because you will enjoy it. You will like it. I promise. And. Um, to find us, we're just on East Daniel Morgan. It's in between the Marriott and Vic Bailey. We're just kind of in the middle there. All right. Thank you again. And for everybody listening, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Until next time, this is Cross the Line Podcast. Keep chasing your dreams. Thanks for listening.